0: Welcome to Movement Is My Constant. This is the podcast for breaking stagnation patterns. Through interviews with movement researchers, I seek inspiration in their experience and encourage you to stay curious, to explore movement with awareness, knowing that the body contains the intelligence to make decisions and communicate with grace. Enjoy this space. My name is Anna and I am your host today.
1: When I heard uh, my teacher talk about qigong and about learning my body and how to how to balance it right, all the time I heard him talk like as if he's talking about my profession. <laughs> and and so often, and he didn't always understand, mm. but so often there are parallels in uh, how how indeed we 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 learn to balance things in a in a better way and how we learn to balance by playing by by interacting.
0: My guest today is Alice Bartolomeus. I hope I've said that correctly. Uh, she's a former colleague, and I esteem Alice very, very much uh, in her creativity, her body of knowledge uh, that she's now bringing to us uh, through play. Alice is originally from the Netherlands, where she lives and she works as a game designer, as a teacher, as a researcher, as a movement practitioner as she applies play as a life motto to engage, experience, and ultimately design the world around her. So welcome, Alice, to Movement is My Constant.
1: Thank you, thank you.
0: <laughs> so um, to kind of create a bit of a, of a setting here for our conversation today, um, your present work is from what I, what I understood also from the book, which we will talk about in a minute or two. Uh, your present work is strongly shaped by the past uh, experiences of loss and of great inspiration from key figures throughout your life have brought you here today. I recently heard in a podcast how we actually write the books we wish we had read. And I feel like this book is also something like that, That is, it is a book that we wish we would have liked to read at some point in our lives. Um, and I see from the book, you are bringing these concepts of play and game design into life. How can we apply yes. play? Uh, it's like a, a toolkit for development, self-development, uh, while interacting learning. engaging, learning. Exactly, exactly. So it is entitled, Apply Play to Get Ahead of the Game. Uh, yes. And uh, it's really rich with insights and key concepts of play in each chapter. Uh, And there's enough challenges to understand the value of play. Uh, I also used it as a means to navigate through this conversation. And I liked how you gave us so many uh, facets of play, uh, whether it's for the mind, you know, curiosity, uh, or for the spiritual being, you know, like playing and making questions and Uh, But it can also uh, be used as a physical exercise because, you know, the challenges always make you move. So that was very interesting. And it comes in a really nice uh, size. Uh, You can bring it anywhere, basically. So I really like it. Um, You're making me blush. I thought about using the book as a navigation tool. So we're going to start at the beginner level to understand more about this. I guess one of my questions is, what does the game designer do? Or you, Alice, as a game designer, what do you do?
1: Yeah, that's a good question because uh, when I started designing games, I, I was not so much of a gamer myself uh, or a player, uh, but it was a little bit of a coincidence of, of uh, uh, making something on a website more interactive and we decided to make uh, users play with the content. Uh, it was for children. It was an educational website. So, and that uh, really triggered me because I did play games when I was a kid, of course. <laughs> and, and I had been playing uh, games and I learned uh, how to dissect games and game elements and how to discover what, what, what are these ingredients that we use when we design games or when we play games and how can we reuse these for uh, to have an impact in uh, in developing interaction design, mm. so I, I think a game designer is really uh, looking at the tools he has at hand, um, similar as a as a normal designer, but a game designer has has all these extra and also a little bit al- alchemy, <laughs> a little bit uh, the the. the the ingredients that you you cannot really put your finger on but you try to use them and reuse them in different contexts to trigger your player to interact with it
0: mm-hmm. so you kind of you really learned by doing that's what we designers yes. do right you just applied your knowledge as you as questions arose i guess
1: yeah, yeah. and we, we we found out when when we created games some games we thought would be boring to play <laughs> because we made serious games. Mm. And uh, for instance, once we made a game about uh, applying for a job and we really thought it would be very hard to make that fun. But we were trying to make it a bit more fun. But in the end, the our, our uh, players uh, played it a lot and they were uh, replaying it and they were uh, challenging each other and they were really stretching the boundaries of, of uh, uh, um applying for a job Mm. and then also when we were testing our own game we were having a lot of fun in, in testing already and we were so so surprised because we thought we would be delivering a boring game
0: but was it boring because of the
1: content or the context or the challenge a bit because of the context and and the learning goals they were Mm. a bit like how to write a proper uh, application letter Mm. um and we thought like yeah yeah it's it's a little bit uh we thought that the learnings were flat but then again we made a career game so so there was a chain of reactions that that were uh linked with each other. So you you would learn all the time, like, oh, but if I would have done this, I would do this. And then so it was more complex uh, than we thought. But also, it, it, it in, in a way, we game designers very often design interaction like a tree. So what if, if you do this, then you do this, and then you yeah. do this. But we always have to make sure that it comes back together to an end result. And, and you don't have a dead end on the end of the, the branch so so that's um, and that can make it complex or easy and this game was uh, yeah making the choices made the player feel very competent but also more competent competent to uh, apply for a job interesting
0: okay so i hear a lot of things i already hear in the many chapters you have on your book like uh like references to to the chapters of the book uh making choices and and also engagement etc and also, like you were just saying, creating the, the specific, like this recipe you have with the appropriate spices, and then you create the game that is needed for that context. In this case, the, the recruitment exercise. Um, and also how you, um, how do you say this? Like you engage with the user where they are. They were exactly in that same context. So it, the, I guess there's no point in giving them too much and removing the context that they know they are. It's a recruitment process, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. interesting. So um, I mean, then then I guess uh, it. This kind of kind of relates to a question that was a little bit further ahead, but I, I think we can introduce it here. What is play? Then I mean, if you were concerned with you know bring, bringing fun
1: to it, what is play? Yeah, um, so this is also discussed by many uh, philosophers, mm. uh, um, designers, economists, uh, psychologists. Uh, so in many disciplines, they try to to pin to pinpoint what is a game or what is play. And I still think that Johan Huizinga, who wrote a book on the Homo Ludens, the play, the playing uh, uh, man or uh, human, um, in 1938, he, he described the magic circle. Uh, the magic circle is. Um, oh, uh, he, he described that if you are inside the magic circle, there are boundaries that are don't exist in and, and rules that don't exist in real life. So you're in a in a different situation that's separate from real life. Mm-hmm. And if you're in that magic circle, you, there is a situation of playing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the best description. So there's a there's a magic circle, and in in, in there you can believe. Something completely different, and which mm-hmm. is so great is that in in the magic circle, I can believe that I can uh, outrun you or uh, win from you. But in real life, I don't think I will uh, win from you. I'm I'm I'm. There's no hierarchy. But mm. in in the magic circle, we can have these these different game rules and sets that frame that situation, and I can believe those.
0: What are you playing right
1: now? <laughs> Word Feud. Word Feud. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, you, you mentioned that. Uh, what is it exactly? Can you explain? It's actually the same game as uh, Scrabble is. The board mm-hmm. game Scrabble, uh, the old-fashioned Scrabble game, you put words uh, and you take turns and you try to get rid of your uh, uh, letters. Your, mm-hmm. your, your. And uh, online it's called Word Feud. Um, and you play it only with one other player and for me it, it has been my way to connect with my mom <laughs> playing word feud every day putting in the word but then uh, she passed away last year mm. but uh, i still have other friends who, who continue to play with me because i think they, they want to to fill the gap of missing my mom <laughs> <laughs> that's really so nice. they want to keep me occupied <laughs> in- <laughs> but for me it's also good because i'm dyslexic mm-hmm. and i like to i, I like to keep Uh, playing with words and and language Mm -hmm. uh, in a playful manner because it's easy for me to to keep a distance uh, because of my handicap. Okay, interesting.
0: So, and what would be the difference between uh, uh, play and game? Is there
1: a difference or do they combine? Yeah, it, yeah. it's a good, good that you say that because actually I also know that in Portuguese or in, in, in what I learned in Brazil from Portuguese mm-hmm. is that you have different, uh, you use different words for play and for game. And actually in, in English, uh, there are also more words and, and they come also from Latin. But in, in general, game is more the, 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 the noun, it is a game. And play is more the verb. I am playing a game. So it's more an activity of interacting with your game. That is what's called play.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Then where does that expression come? Like the it's children's play or something, right? Or when you say something is really easy, you just say it's like a playing like children. It's sort
1: of, yeah, it's because uh, children learn so much in, in, in play and, and with games that uh, um, we all we know that that's actually the, the, the biggest way to learn. You have to play. Yeah. Uh, but then again, we sort of tell ourselves to stop playing and stop being childish and become mature because we have to be serious. And we have to know instead of learn, yeah. <laughs> and that's, I think, the, the the big biggest biggest mistake of uh, thinking that play is only for children, because uh, I I learned from from my mom aging that old that she she could she never stopped learning and never stopped being playful, and uh, I think that's that's crucial because we have to develop and for development we need to allow failure, and that's one of the strong Aspects that play uh, holds in itself Mm -hmm. to uh, to fail and to learn and to progress and develop. Yeah, interesting. uh, So it's just a game. That's uh, (laughs) I I I wish to abandon that in our language. Yeah, and uh, child child play uh hooray for uh, a perpetual uh, child play
0: (laughs) yeah that's perfect exactly exactly so um so i guess now here there's two questions kind of two ramifications one is a play uh why are we afraid of play uh and you know what what makes it fear fear where does it come from Uh, And the other one is really mostly about inspirations. You talk a lot about your mother, who seems like she has has had this playful character in her, maybe some sort of uh, openness to yes and. uh, And uh, yeah, maybe
1: choose one of the questions. (laughs) I'll choose two. Because my mom, (laughs) the polarity and the fear Mm. Is also uh, entangled with my, with my mom as, a, as an inspiration because she was actually always very much a bit, a bit uptight and like, what will people think? Mm. So, so she was always holding herself uh, uh, quite strict and also telling me to be serious. And um, yeah, she was very serious on many things, but only in the end of her life, she, she became more playful. But um, so she, she dared a lot more. At the end of her life, because she didn't had so much to lose anymore at the end of her life. She she was suffering Alzheimer, so she was letting go of all the boundaries. And that's what I like about play is about not being within, not not being constrained within the boundaries. Although you're constrained in the make-believe game rules, but Mm -hmm. that allows you a lot of imagination and freedom, and freedom to fail. Mm -hmm. Because in a game you can lose. And inside, when you're playing the game, you want to win, you want to win. You're very engaged to win. But if you lose this, at exactly at that moment, it doesn't really matter that much because next time you might win. Mm. And you also, in a weird way, you understand that someone else has to win to make the game be real and, and exist. Mm. So then you, you, you understand the economics of play and you 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 also have a, another commitment to the game rules and uh, trust that you might be the winner next time. So there's hope, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think that that's very important. That uh, hope is uh, uh, makes the world go around. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. Cool. All
0: right. Um, so um, you were now saying something that caught my my eye about also the playfulness and. It kind of uh, relates to, uh, I mean, in some ways, it relates to violence in game, for instance. Uh, How do we, uh, or, you know, or anger, these difficult emotions that sometimes play can, you know, trigger us because of losing a game or because of something uh, or
1: or a challenge. So uh, what can you talk about that? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, many, many emotions are a taboo and you're not allowed to be angry You're not allowed to be violent uh, or malicious pleasure is a very bad emotion <laughs> to, to, uh, or jealousy. But inside games, you can experience these emotions in a safe environment and also see that they are temporarily and uh, they are you can overcome these. However, some people, they when I talk about games and they say, I never play games because uh, I, I cannot deal with losing. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm, I'm overcompetitive. But it's very interesting. Yes, yeah, so you, you have to deal with your emotions and staying away from them is not always the solution mm-hmm. and might even be, make it worse. So I think it's, it's good if we expose ourselves to emotions uh, in a safe environment like a game can be and then be able to reflect on it and that's that's the interesting part to 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 talk together about what what happened inside that game okay. or in that yeah that other game and how come uh it got so so bad yeah. but the great thing is that for many games and violence for instance most most of the people it's it is an outlet only another trigger.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that's what I was thinking now about,
1: okay, so a lot
0: of the games, it's about entertaining. Oh, let's just, you know, relax and just play something. But what you're saying now, it feels like, wow, it, it, it's much deeper, right? Or even giving space for reflection. Uh, do games give that space in in
1: your, I mean, in your view to... Yeah, these. it depends on, on what, what game, but most of the time it is the context of the game being played. So it's a bit more in the hand of the player to reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't want to force reflection, or, or but it happens. Mm-hmm. And for instance, what we know, if we look at children playing games, we can often see that parents or the surroundings or the children themselves, they have to uh, also... Um, deal with the emotions like it's my turn to sit on the bike <laughs> right or can can i play with your toy and all these things uh, they th- those are uh, adult lessons <laughs> being taught and being learned yeah. actually i like the word being taught or being learned the the, the active or passive way of learning mm-hmm that I'm, I'm learning you something, or are we learning something together? Do you
0: find someone that is a little bit, uh, how do you say it, um, a resistant to play, or is it maybe a client or a situation of a workshop? You know, How do you deal with
1: that? Um, do they need much yeah,
0: preparation? I'm, or
1: <laughs> A lot of preparation. <laughs> you need to handle with care. No, it's it's nice. Most most of the time, when I give a talk and I try to discover who who is the most resistant person, <laughs> uh, to really find out why is he resistant and he can become like my uh, uh, how do you say my my and in the ideal situation i would put him in front of the class and tell him let everyone look like so what happens here but the funny thing is if i have an interaction with that person i can ask so what do you do in your free time and very often they are very playful but they didn't uh, know that they are so they didn't see in what way they are playful and mm-hmm. one person for instance said uh, i always go outdoors to uh, hunt for um, those those gps treasure hunts oh pokemon no it's not oh. a pokemon it's oh. it's a little bit more uh it's it's more physical physical and you walk with your compass and it's uh it has a word but that's mm-hmm. that's also it's also a game it's yeah. very playful interesting and so so i i don't think people are very really resistant it's just finding out the the language of How do you see play? Or what do you think I mean when I talk about games and play? Mm. And then very often the dialogue uh, starts running uh, by itself. As soon as they know that I'm not only talking about Grand Theft Auto (laughs) or uh, those games. And then, then we find out that everyone loves to play games and loves to watch other people see, play games and have fun and interact with that. So, and then... It's, it's much easier. And also one time I was teaching uh, to uh, base, uh, primary school teachers and they were really like, I don't like games because all my students are uh, not easy to interact with. <laughs> and they were really very uh, resistant. And yeah. I made them design their own game uh, in school for uh, being on time or um, uh, ask questions or go to the toilet or find your right... Uh, Space, and then at the end of the lesson, they said, "So, Alice, how are you going to make this game happen in my school?" <laughs> so they were very much leaning forward uh, uh, at the end of that workshop.
0: Hmm, interesting. So then that goes back into really breaking these ideas we have about play, like the the fear of play, and play can only be super, you know, like this extreme experience uh, where everybody's happy and blah blah blah. Uh, It's not associated
1: to other things like you were now saying. No, and that's and uh, all the stigmas we need to uh, we need to tick mark like this is a (laughs) stick. And one big one is also addiction that people feel like uh, once I start playing I cannot stop playing. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also important to tell people that uh, you you have your own autonomy and the game is is subjective to that. and it's not taking over you. And we, we game designers don't want to. And I do know that some games have the intention to, to make you um, pay a lot. But you have to make sure that you are the one steering that wheel. So if you don't want to, you, you can let go. And you're, you're not that weak that yeah. a game can control your life and uh, it's strange that a lot of people think the the games can mm-hmm. but um, no the games are not that strong yeah interesting and
0: i wonder also how game can be used to create empathy in the sense of we're talking about development and you know i am responsible for you know what i am doing playing etc how does that then create empathy
1: how is a game used in relation to others interactions yeah because many games are like simulations and you can step in the shoes of someone else and then try to find out how, how would it be to be that person mm-hmm. and sometimes you can step in the shoes of the hero of course or be Laura Croft <laughs> but there are many games that you can experience uh, how to be a pilot or and you can understand a, a different life but you can escape your own life by by understanding another person's life but many games are also built around uh, for instance refugees there's one game I don't know the name it's beautiful it's it's like you you are only holding the phone as if you are receiving information of your loved one who is trying to uh, uh, escape the country mm-hmm. and um, and but you have choices what do you answer to help and to support the, your loved one trying to escape and it's so beautiful because you really feel your, your, your stomach and your, your lungs feeling like uh, suffocating, like, oh, my God, I hope she doesn't. Oh, no, I hope she doesn't. And you have some sort of control by assisting her with, with what, what should you do? Mm-hmm. And you're, you're also feeling the same being powerless. You cannot do anything. And, and being a refugee is really tough. Mm-hmm. So those games are interesting experiences because we we sort of have this uh, how do you say mas- masochistic yeah, desire. Masochistic, yeah. We we sometimes we like to feel scared mm-hmm. in a game and we like to feel uh, yeah like lo- looking at a th- thriller or horror movie. We like to be scared of <laughs> our pants. <laughs> 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 and, and and in games we can also we we like to learn. uh, different situations so many games uh, allow us to be more empathic then we're now touching you know more other other
0: realms of of play how can we apply play in health or education or organizations institutions you know the corporate world Um, can you give examples or what are your thoughts around that
1: yeah, it, it is being used in in health, for instance. Um, many apps are trying to help you uh, change your lifestyle for a better better way, and it it, it can be very pinpointed to people with diabetes, or uh, and also trying to help them register their their uh, information. So you have a motivational app that's helping you do self report. Uh, because the good thing is that we actually need more uh, adaptive uh, care as well because many of the medicines are are like like sort of default setting but some people find out like for me it's better if i take it 1 hour after that because then i have less problem with this so and then we learn so so scientists and, and the healthcare industry learns more about uh, patients what what they need with their uh, individual uh, lifestyles but also help the patients become more, not, not just a patient, but more, uh, uh, self-efficacy on being in control of my health. So these apps are being, being gamified to motivate you to be loyal to your app. And, um, but also in, in organizations, uh, they, they create team building, uh, game settings and challenges to, uh, to learn things or onboarding games, how to onboard in a company to know what you should do and how to do it and where to do it. So you you you, you onboard and, and all these because very often it's just a procedure of finding out uh, all, all the things you have to learn and they can be taught via a game. Mm-hmm. And also in some games, uh, some companies, they are making uh, content um, it's, it's part of the game of uh, creating content about learnings inside the company to each other, to educate each other. You can have these uh, trivia games uh, mm-hmm. installed and mm-hmm. uh, have competitions. Or mm-hmm. So there are many ways to apply play. Mm-hmm. And it's not always you. Very often it's just you, you create a fun app or a, a playful app and don't tell them it's a game because some people have resistance indeed. But then. They will find mm. out as I think that Facebook is gamified and uh, mm. LinkedIn is gamified mm-hmm. because for some people, like you see the progress bar, like you, you your profile is almost complete. And for yeah. some people that's a trigger to completion and for some people not. Okay.
0: So how is competition important or effective for play and how can it be healthy? Um, because I think, you know, maybe it's a cliche. We live in a competitive world. True.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. How does competition happen? Competition, for, I think, is just a, an ingredient, like in the soup, you put some more salt or less pepper. <laughs> it's a, it's individual. If you like it more, less salty, or someone that likes it more sweet. Mm. And competition is also it's it's. I think it's just uh, one of the ingredients, and you can spice it up or not. And um, and it's important to look at. Uh, because competition can be like uh, one game we developed about security in companies. And then it would be so great that uh, the the winners are actually the cleaners because they know all the floors, they know all the doors, they know all the windows. So they would be the the heroes of this game. And in that sense, uh, the competition, it might be very good to to make the opposite hierarchy (laughs) uh, happen. And also make uh, make competitions temporarily. And uh, then everyone can be a winner at a certain time or a certain moment. You have to, it's it's like an economy. You have to design the system very well that mm. everyone is engaged and everyone can win. Yeah. And most of the board games actually have a very strong, um, they, they have a level design in, or they have a, a design that, you keep hope until the end of the game, even with monopoly, mm-hmm. you feel like, oh, he's winning so bad because I have so little. But very often something can happen and then suddenly the whole, the game changes yeah. completely and yeah. you have hope that, uh, that you, you might still win. Yeah. It's
0: funny how you said now the monopoly, because I was reading in your book about monopoly. And I was surprised to see that originally the game came because it was really to show how, you know, the difference between poor and rich and this inequality, et cetera. And I was like, oh, really? Maybe, come to think about it. But I've never experienced the game as such. For me, it was more about, oh, you know, that that thing of winning, of winning. Um, And sometimes it even occurred to me, I don't think this
1: is a fair game, you know? No, um, but the, 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 the game of money is not fair. Yeah. It really is not. Right. But <laughs> so, then, so, in that yeah. sense.
0: Yeah, continue.
1: Yeah. So, in that sense, Monopoly is originally developed to make that point, to show mm-hmm. that richer get rich and poorer get poor, poorer. <laughs> and uh, so, but then they made the uh, they saw that the game was uh, fun to play. So, they took away that seriousness, but uh, made the game even more. Uh, uh, yeah, sort of unfair in, in a way, but they <laughs> made made it a bit balanced that you still feel like uh, I, I because you you do. N- it's funny I I I heard one time that Monopoly is uh, there is a championship of Monopoly, and I thought like, but it's so much a game of good luck. <laughs> <laughs> but still, these games of good luck still have a strategy uh, in there, and apparently. Yeah. And I'm still surprised to see that because I I always feel like yeah if it's just about good luck I I like the game a bit less because yeah. I feel like I want to be good or skilled yeah. for for the, playing that game yeah but, uh, yeah there's
0: this sense of control right I mean we like to have control in our lives yeah. whether in the safe of, safety of the game or not I mean yeah just how it is. Okay, good. I am now uh, going to jump into an article you wrote about game design and Qigong, that there's an overlap. And uh, you wrote, and I'm quoting you, to create a good game, it requires a very delicate and more deep exploration to find the perfect balance. I love it. And then you create this, you know, this sort of of overlap. So what can you say, say about it?
1: Yeah it's funny I've been uh, doing qigong uh, for uh, several years and every time when I heard uh, my teacher talk about qigong and about learning my life I was like yeah learning my body and how to how to balance it right all the time I heard him talk like as if he's talking about my profession <laughs> and and so often and he didn't always understand mm. but so often there are parallels in uh, how how indeed we 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 learn to balance things in a, in a better way and how we learn to balance by playing, by, by interacting or by making uh, an intervention. Mm-hmm. And that can be gravity or it can be a muscle or it can be uh, um, your weight. And so you're always interacting uh, as if my body is a toy uh, mm-hmm. to be played with and to be explored.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, yeah. And I, I really, yeah, it's, it's so funny. he he might laugh at me saying this because i think he more more and more also understands what what i mean when i say yeah you talk about play interesting (laughs) and uh,
0: yeah yeah and also the qualities that are kind of similar to it that we were just now talking about empathy uh control i guess uh all those qualities of the body that uh are brought to both worlds
1: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and the and the environment like uh, the when, when there's wind or there's no wind or there's sound how mm-hmm. that impacts your body so the circumstances or the the situation you're playing your game <laughs> or you're you're practicing your chikum has so much uh, influence and it's about, really about um, making energy move mm-hmm. and i have been very long for, for a very long time, I was always looking at one player and one game, how they interact, because it was. I'm, I'm a little bit nerdy, so I, I like to simplify things. So I have been looking at it like that very much, like the game system and the player, uh, how they interact. Mm. But uh, recent years, I really discovered that um, the game can be another person, how you interact with each other and how you uh, play. And other players are actually part of your game. So mm. so they, they they make the game richer and better. Oh, so it's 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 yeah, the, the complexity level goes higher, but also more logical to, to look at yeah. it uh, yeah. in that way. What
0: qualities can we bring ourselves so that we are more immersed in a game?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, the, uh, actually then it's it's the other way around what quality what requirements are needed mm. to to engage fully and mm-hmm. we have to make sure that 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 we when we enter the magic circle or when when the magic circle happens that we feel safe
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and that we know that we we are safe and will be safe So that's sort of like uh, an agreement you do with 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 the others or what. But safety is very important. And uh, but, you know, if if you see a cat uh, play that he feels safe, he's not he's not on guard because there might be a dog around. Mm -hmm. As soon as there is a noise like a dog, you see that a cat will stop playing. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I mean with being safe is, is very uh, much uh, a requirement for the environment. We have to make sure that we feel safe and um, safe, and uh, that we trust the game and the game rules and that we, um, uh, uh, we feel free. Mm. So actually, that's an important thing. If we don't feel free, for instance, someone who really is addicted to a game because he cannot stop playing the game because he doesn't want to. He's trying to escape real life and he thinks he can escape real life in a game. So he doesn't want to stop playing the game. He actually is not anymore playing a game because he's unfree. Yeah. So then it becomes a chore and a task and there's no freedom. Uh, uh, and You can see someone uh, being unfree. And yeah. that's, the, that's what is so important that you, you are always free to interact or to play um, and you feel safe and you feel connected and you trust the, the, the surroundings and the conditions, then, then we have optimal engagement. Interesting. I see here another bridge
0: with Chikung, with the mindfulness yes. of Chikung. Like, uh, yes. you know, you're not a, trying to achieve a posture or a certain, you know, physical quality or trying to escape anything. You're just in that flow and and receiving uh, and yeah. engaging with.
1: Yeah. Mm. And it's, it's so interesting to, indeed, you'll be challenged the moment you feel like I'm in the perfect position, perfect, perfect posture, and then you have to say, is it? <laughs> you have you 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 can never exactly. get fixed you always no. have to continue exactly Is it? we
0: talked about the fear of play but are there myths, myths around play these preconceived ideas about play uh, besides well we did touch upon fear but maybe other things you might think of yeah
1: the 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 uh, the, the negative myths are, are indeed uh, addiction and violence Mm-hmm. and uh, losing yourself in the game. But uh, the, the positive myth, that's a good question. Well, it's interesting that also in my book, there's one chapter of this guy who uh, um, was doing the championship of a, a, a war game. Mm-hmm. And he was, so, he was training hours and hours and hours. And he was so good inside the game. And it was a really complex game system that he felt that he could predict his opponent's uh, situation. And then he went outside and he felt the same about traffic. So he was driving a car and he thought he could predict the traffic because he was so much ahead of the game in that sense that he really uh, got confident in that. And then he made almost a mistake and he realized, oh my God, yeah. I, have to, I have to let go of my confidence of being able to predict the future because I cannot. Yeah. But sometimes you feel like you're in a flow and then you feel like I know exactly what to do next. Mm. And so we do want to be in that flow. And the game is, is a perfect situation to allow you to, to be in a flow or get in the flow. Mm-hmm. But then again, we have to also step outside of the magic circle in real mm. life so what would be the future of play or what? Yeah. Well, <laughs> what, what is in the news the last few weeks, but actually already for months, it has been in the news, the metaverse, oh, that uh, nice. it, there will be a digital world where, uh, and they say that we will be playing games with each other inside this digital world. And, mm. and so it, it is being talked about in the, in the game industry as the future, mm-hmm. but I, 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 actually I have no clue how it will really work but in in my ideal world it will be that uh, we will not be afraid of playing games but we will know what role we play Hmm. and I also hope in an ideal world that we know that we like for in in politics uh, we feel like we are being played in society and in politics that we feel like there's or like in uh, recycling we feel like a What's the use of me recycling my garbage because no one else is and the big companies are not? I yeah. think we, we as an individual have more power than we know about our own lives. I hope, I wish, yeah. and I hope that we will feel a player in our own game
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that we will uh, make uh, the new democracy happen. nice yeah
0: yeah and hopefully it will also include others so right i mean that's yeah together in communities and then you see how much power you have as a community what game would you advise everyone to have in their living rooms or maybe in their uh, phones
1: oh that's a good question (laughs) (laughs) i i wouldn't know well actually i like the game set which is a card game okay but it's it's uh it i think it's about flex flexibility and neuroplasticity
0: Uh you have
1: to so one card has four conditions Uh yeah there's an amount a size a shape and a color so it's very simple okay (laughs) and then uh you make a set of three cards Uh and then all these four these four features of one card have to be all similar for all three, or okay. diverse for all three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that's all. That's all. And then you you can see set. So you put twelve car, uh, nine cards on the table, and you recognize three cards forming a shape, uh-huh. a set, because they have the same shape, shape same shape, same color, same amount, and same filling. Okay. Um. And uh, uh and then then they they form a set. Okay. And it's very uh, it's 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 a uh, it's a brain training exercise, but it's also very much fun to play with others. Mm-hmm. And you can do team building play and oh uh, nice collective play. There are many variations var- variations on playing set.
0: Okay, so, oh, I'm gonna look it go up. Play set. Yeah,
1: complete yeah. set. I Love it. But it's also very frustrating in a way. So that's ah. it's like you hear people yell like, "This is a set." Oh no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, this is. Oh no, it's not because every two cards yeah. with the third card are uh, every two cards create almost a set with a third card. But you have to find the third specific card.
0: <sighs> okay, now I'm curious.
1: Which, yeah,
0: I'm gonna have to find it out. I'm going to have to find it out. I do see play and movement really tied together. And we talked about Qigong. And so I would, you know, I usually ask
1: this. Why is movement your constant? Because movement is uh, interaction. Because action and interaction. And I like movement between people. And that can be like us now talking. Um, So we, we spoke about so many things in one hour time. Mm-hmm. And that's movement, I think. Yeah. So, and I hope that uh, that's anyone who's listening, his his brain or his her brain will be moving, um, and um, and I hope they are walking while doing it because I think uh, activity uh, makes makes our knowledge become bigger and better. So we all can share knowledge. I think that's movement.
0: Yeah. Thank you. So thank you. Um, so we can. Uh, I'll definitely recommend this book. Uh, it's a really. Uh, it's fantastic. I've done it. I've written on it, uh, but I will have to read it again. And uh, where can we? Can,
1: we can buy it online, right? Well, actually, you have to buy it uh, via me. Okay. Okay. Because uh, online was a bit. Uh, I I'm just too clumsy. Sure.
0: So uh, No problem. Uh,
1: so it's not no longer for sale online, but uh, okay. please. Uh, oh, it's at in du- in Holland. It's uh, at at bold.com, mm-hmm. still for sale, and uh, it's in in Dutch available in Indonesian and soon in Persian language. Oh, I love it! And there's a audio book in Dutch. Okay. And uh, so all of those are uh, available online and uh, in Holland, but internationally you have to. Uh, Go through you. Okay,
0: I will leave that note uh, on the on the description of the episode and also on the channel so that people can access the book. And where can people find you or contact contact you if they you know want your service or work with you?
1: Yeah, if they have any question after this uh, listening to all this, they can ask. They can uh, contact me via elisewonderland.nl. Yes, perfect. I love
0: that. Alice in now. Yes. Okay, perfect. Anything else you would
1: like to share to leave here? A uh, note, a thought? I, I think I'll, I'll be on my bike later and I'll be like, ah, now I know what I wanted to share. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Thank you very great. much. Thank
0: you so much. Lovely. Alice. As always, it's a pleasure to speak to you. For me, mm-hmm. same here.